Welcome to our inaugural episode. Civic Tech Chat is a monthly podcast about the civic technology movement. We seek to harness the power technology has to improve the delivery of public services to people everywhere. I'm Ryan Cook. I'll be guiding you as we dive into a panel discussion for this episode. So with all that said, let's hop right in. Today we've got a couple of wonderful guests here to talk about some of their experiences in the civic tech movement, as well as to go over some topics about it, such as where it's at, what it is, and how you can get involved. So why don't we go around and have each of them give a little bit of information about themselves. Uh, Why don't we go ahead and start with uh, you, Cyrus. Could you tell us a bit about who you are and what you're doing? Sure. Hi. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm Cyrus Stefna. I'm with the United States Digital Service in Washington, D.C. I'm here by way of the General Services Administration in Chicago uh, and the Peace Corps Mission to Guatemala. Prior to my service, I was with an Ohio State Senator's office in Columbus. Uh, That's me. Thanks. Great. Uh, Thank you, Cyrus. Uh, Christy, why don't we have you go next? Uh, Could you introduce yourself to the audience? Yes, I'm Christy Leach. I'm a design researcher and information architect in Chicago, um, independent. And that just means that I I know how to interview people and look at data, qualitative and quantitative, and um, come up with some some theories and some recommendations. And I've been active with with Shy Hack Night and now Uptown Code. Excellent. Uh, Thank you for that. And then lastly, here we have uh, Tom. Uh, Could you introduce yourself as well? Hey everyone, I'm Tom Dooner. I work at Code for America on the network team. Uh, I got involved in civic tech a couple years ago when I went to Open Oakland for the first time. And, uh, you know, I've always been somewhat interested in building apps for other people to help other people get their jobs done and to improve the lives of others. And so I found Open Oakland a really great outlet for that and gradually learned more and more about Code for America and eventually applied to be a fellow. And so my fellowship wrapped up last year and uh, and uh, now I'm now I get to work on the network team at Code for America, helping brigades uh, with the technology that they need to be successful. One of the things that's uh, I found to be a fascinating question to ask folks is about their personal why. Uh, it's one of those things that one should start with as they start begin an endeavor. So, could I have each of you kind of get into like your personal why? Like, why are you involved in civic tech? And uh, Tom, could you uh, start us off with that? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, just living in a city makes you realize how many people around you are uh, interacting with the systems that you pass by every day. Um, and, you know, living in San Francisco, walking down the street all the time, um, it it's become evident that, you know, the government is not doing very well for a lot of people that live very close to me. Um, and so I think just sort of seeing a visceral, visceral example like that um, is a really powerful motivator, but also just um, it just sort of speaks to uh, an opportunity that, you know, if people exist, like if we're working with people that um, that have software engineering or design or UX capabilities, um, then it seems like a, it's a great use of time for people like that to raise their hand and get involved in their community. And I think civic tech is a really great way to do that. And that's sort of why I got involved to begin with was just as a, um, it, it's a very effective way to volunteer in your community. Uh, very nice. I like that, uh, particularly that raise your hand and get involved in the community part of that that you were mentioning. Christy, could you uh, share your personal why for us as well? Sure. Well, so a couple of years ago, I started going to Shy Hack Night and, uh, you know, I've just been trying to learn everything I can about becoming a better researcher, um, better at user experience. And um, so I was looking for a way to, to volunteer um, and find a way to, to, I could tell that it was something that just was, it's applicable to a lot of contexts. And I was thinking about ways to share that skill set. So Shy Hack Night stood out as an event that was centered around technology. And I knew, I, I didn't really know what civic tech was actually, I, but the event seemed to have something to do with learning more about Chicago. So that's why it was a draw for me and really has been a way for me to pay more attention to Chicago politics and to issues in the different neighborhoods in Chicago. And so then now I'm Uptown Codes is closer to home. Um, and I'm 
and looking forward to exploring, you know, my neighborhood and my part of the city more deeply by being involved with that group. Awesome. Yeah, it sounds like that attempt to be connected with your community is really driving you forward on uh, moving into this community as well. Cyrus, could you uh, also give us uh, your why as well? Sure. Uh, in every role I've had across government, I have been frustrated by bureaucracy, struggling to keep pace with a rapidly evolving technology industry. Um, technologists need to work alongside hardworking career civil service colleagues uh, to make services that work. I believe very strongly that government bears the responsibility of being effective and cost efficient while doing the greatest amount of good for the greatest number of people uh, who happen to be in the greatest need. So that kind of drives me every single day uh, to keep doing this. Uh, thank you for your answer there. Uh, it's clear that each of you come from a very unique perspective uh, in approaching this, and I definitely appreciate the fact that you've all three been willing to share that. Uh, I guess moving on our conversation, uh, I guess one of the things someone listening to this episode might be wondering is, well, what is civic tech? So I guess as a question for whomever in the group wants to chime in is, can you answer that question, what is civic tech, uh, as if I were five, kind of in simple terms? Well, I mentioned um, that I just well, found out about civic tech like a couple years ago, so why shouldn't I start? Um, I, I, I've come to understand it to be technologists pairing with, with the community or with a government partner. and. Um, doing something on, on top of the normal participation in government and the normal build of government or, or doing something to, to make services better, to improve services through technology. That's my, my understanding of it so far. Yeah, awesome. Um, if I could add to that a little bit, um, that's definitely, like there's so many different definitions of civic tech um, that people you know come to this movement with and i think uh like the code for america mantra is that government can work for the people by the people in the 21st century and so what does it mean to have a working government and uh and how do we build that um that's sort of the crux of civic tech um as far as i see it is like how does how can government build effective um effective uh, software, effective programs, effective uh, policy for people. And I think we, and I think technology, uh, the technology part is almost incidental. It's more of a civic part. Um, um, these, these are themes that have come up repeatedly at Code for America events is that really it's not about building technology. It's about applying some of the principles that lead to good technology, like iterative approaches and in, and user research and uh, these practices, applying them to how government builds technology or uh, or or policy, even to some extent. So I definitely want to piggyback off of what uh, Christy said and Tom said. Um, as a designer and an engineer, I think they bring very unique and necessary perspectives to our movement. Um, I, I really want to like dial it back, right? And think about like, what is technology, right? Technology to me refers to tools, right? Anything that we use to simplify life. Uh, humans have been putting tools uh, to work for thousands of years and they've enabled us to evolve to the point where we're uh, tapping on uh, and talking into metal boxes. Uh, you know, if you make this very podcast, for example, right? So um, I think, you know, civic, as Tom mentioned, refers broadly to our public space or shared commons. Uh, and I, I believe that uh, it's a place where um, we come together, right? Where all people uh, come together, I guess, willingly to participate um, for this common good, right? Figuring out ways of building tools that help us uh, improve the, the commons, that civic space. So at a really basic level, that's what civic technology is. And I think, um, you know, the tools we have at our disposal today are much more sophisticated than our uh, Neanderthal ancestors. Yeah, the technology part has definitely felt incidental to me, or it seems incidental to me. Like, we are people, a lot of the folks who are involved in the civic tech movement are people who are trained in, uh, in software development or in design or in project management. The processes that go around building technology and software in particular. And so those are the tools that we have. And this is our way of being, or one of our ways of being engaged 
um, with our communities. But I, I, I don't mean it to, to mean to say that it's the only way for people to be involved. And I think that um, te technology, I think, happens to be a, a big need, technology improvements um, and software improvements in in government is maybe one reason why civic tech has gotten a lot of good buzz. Um, but I think that it also can be, what's the term folks use? It can have kind of a flavor of techno determinism or um, techno fetishism or, or whatever. Like it's just so so great to have technology involved in government when really it's just, okay, this is the skill set that we have and this is how we are participating. I really like these answers. It, it's sounding to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, that at the root of it is kind of a combination of having those relationships with government and it being more about people than so much the tool that you're using. Is that correct? People are the most important part. And that's, I think, what motivates all of us to volunteer in the first place, right? None of us are here for technology's sake because we like writing code and don't care about how it gets used, I think, or, or you know, don't like making designs, or, or sorry, like making designs, but don't care how they get implemented. You know, I think we're all here because we see a way that we can volunteer our skills in a way that leads to the better lives um, of our fellow community members. And I think we need to build those, we need to build anything we build with those community members as well. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, definitely. And, and that's a really good natural way to kind of nudge into uh, a concept I wanted us to talk about here. Uh, going to some events, uh, including uh, I was lucky enough to go to that Brigade Congress we had uh, last year for Code for America. Uh, I heard the phrase build with, not for uh, very frequently as a principle to be followed, uh, in particular by Code for America as an organization. Would one of you guys like to kind of chime in and maybe give your thoughts on what that phrase means and maybe like what its significance is to uh, what we've just been talking about as far as like what the civic tech movement is. So Tom is the Code for America representative. I think that's yeah. perfect. Yeah, so uh, the the phrase build with not for um, comes out of a talk given by Warren Ellen McCann at a Code for America summit a few years ago. And in this talk, you know, this, this phrase um, keeps coming back because I think it, a lot of people in this movement really identify with this approach. And what Build With Not For really speaks to is that, uh, that it's just a mindset about how we approach solving problems. And um, as a group of volunteers or a group of nonprofits or a group of you know, whoever's building civic technology, we really need to adopt sort of this mantra of building with the community because ultimately, we're part of the community and we're attempting to improve the lives of our fellow community members. And we can't do that if we separate ourselves as the builders or as the makers or as the doers from the people we're trying to help. We need to talk to them. We need to do user research with them. We need to you know, understand their problems in a really meaningful way. And uh, that's part of, that's what, what the with really speaks to, to me. I think, uh, I think different people will interpret this phrase differently. So definitely interested to hear your guys' thoughts on this as well. But to me, what it means is that in order to do what we do, we need to consider ourselves all one big community. And instead of separating out, you know, there's the people building a thing and then the people that the thing is for. Yeah, I've recently been yeah. looking looking at um, Lauren Ellen's posts about build with not for. I just found out that they were the person who coined the phrase, and so I was, you know, doing some reading, especially in the last few days. Um, and there's just there's um, great resources up on the site. Actually, buildwithnotfor.wordpress.com. Um, and Lauren Ellen's done a, a whole series of posts about this and about applying this. Um, and in one of the pages on the site talks about criteria for whether or not you're building with not for and the first one says literally start with people um identify the people in your community that you're trying to serve and start start with them i mean there's a lot of expertise like for example i've mainly been working with access to justice um and now starting to work on this, this library project and in, in both cases 
um, the, the library project, for example, the librarians know how they are serving um, the patrons who are experiencing homelessness. It's, it's a, we're, we have a, a hypothesis that we might do a, a tool or a portal that people who are experiencing homelessness might access as a library. Um, with the Access to Justice group, there are already a lot of organizations in Chicago that are serving people re um, returning from prison. They, they already have things that they're working on initiatives that they are working hard on. And so there, there's a lot of expertise and ideas that we can tap into and support. Um, and, and that having that existing, having the community be the source of ideas for projects is something that I really want to do a better job of and, and help the groups that I'm active in do a better job of. Yeah, so I, I, I want to jump right on, right on the tail of what you said, Christy. Um, I think, you know, civic tech has to work for everyone, all sorts of people, because our society consists of myriad individuals. And if a technology project doesn't work for all uh, users, uh, it, it doesn't work at all, right? Um, at the U.S. Digital Service, we are keenly aware uh, usability and accessibility are critically important to the adoption of, um, of any kind of service, right? Any kind of tool. If it doesn't uh, impact, uh, you know, a diverse spectrum of individuals uh, and address some tangible need, then we haven't done our job. Thank all of you for chiming in on that. I think that it helps uh, the audience kind of understand the concept a bit. Uh, why don't we go ahead and shift gears here a little bit? Uh, this is a nice moment to do so. I'd like to shift from talking about what the movement is to maybe where it's at right now. Um, I, I think those out there will be curious to to hear what the state of it is and uh, maybe a little bit more to that end. Uh, and I guess it's kind of like a first question about that uh, to the group is uh, how should or do civic tech organizations start building relations with government? Uh, and actually, uh, Cyrus, if you want to open up some comments, I know from you've worked with the on the government side of this a bit yourself. Uh, I thought maybe you might have some opinions about how that should work. Yeah, sure. So um, as a, a government uh, uh, employee, I have been in public service for many years uh, and also as a volunteer. Right? I've been volunteering with uh, the Code of America Brigade Network in some way, shape or form uh, as a private citizen now for a couple of years as well. Uh, I feel very strongly um, about the, the idea that um, people are people, right? Maybe, you know, government officials, they are stewards of public trust. We, we, we believe in them to execute uh, their duties in uh, the best interest of the public, right? Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're no longer human beings, that they somehow convert into these, uh, you know, bureaucratic robots that just turn out red tape. I think, you know, this is kind of a cliche, but, but people essentially are people, right? And sure, there will be differences in culture and value system between um, the private, public, and nonprofit sectors of the economy. Um, but I think we all, at the end of the day, we all speak the same language, and particularly service-minded people all have, you know, good intentions, right? So I think I think number one is to always assume good intent, right? Maybe you run into you know, government is slow, government is deliberative, and it's designed like that on purpose, right? Uh, the United States government has woken up every single day for the last 241 years. Uh, it's going to be here tomorrow, and it's going to be here the next day, and it's going to be here the next day after that. So, you know, knowing that public servants wake up every day tirelessly to do a job, I think is, uh, is really helpful, a job that many of them, many of my colleagues have been doing for longer than I've been alive. Uh, and they're going to do it tomorrow and they're going to do it the next day. So like connecting with them on an individual level as people uh, is really important and assuming also that they mean well, right? Most people aren't in government to become fabulously wealthy. Surprise if this is the news to anybody, but um, public service careers are not typically the path to untold riches. Uh, so, you know, people aren't in this uh, for money or personal gain, they're in it for something that's bigger than themselves. And, and that's something that we all have in common, right? Whether we are government employees, whether we are volunteers, whether we are, um, you know, brigade captains or podcast hosts, right? We all mean well. <laughs> and I think that that's a really great place to start. Thank you for that perspective, Cyrus. I, I think it's really viable to, uh, to hear that. 
especially uh, from someone like you who's been on kind of both sides of the relationship here as you've gone along. Uh, uh, Tom, actually, uh, would you be able to chime on this a bit as well? I know you have a bit of experience from the Code, Amer- Code for America side, and I think that might be valuable to uh, listen to. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think to just echo what Cyrus said, um, there are an incredible number of really passionate bu- uh, bureaucrats, and I use that term in the best possible way, uh, that are looking to improve uh, I- improve everything as passionately as someone from the outside um, and just and and starting with that is a huge um, is is just a great it starts you off on the right foot to to assume the, the best intent um, a little bit about one particular relationship is to um, is my fellowship project which ended last year um, I think that was a unique relationship with government. Um, I was partnered with some agencies at the county level at, in Portland, Oregon. And uh, th- this relationship came to be because uh, the because people in the government heard of the civic tech movement and they realized that Code for America could do some things that their, their government office was not equipped to do, um, that we had some expertise that could sort of help them and so they got together a team of different people from different agencies, and they applied for the fellowship. And uh, because uh, you know, because they put together a really great um, plan, uh, Code for America decided to to uh, support that fellowship project. So um, I think I mean I think that's one example of a relationship with a government. But definitely, um, there are tons more that happen between. Um, the local brigades and government. Um, and I think that's where this really gets interesting as far as the people are concerned, because oftentimes, you know, city staff or county staff, local government employees, um, you know, they, they work nine to five generally. Um, and oftentimes brigade meetings happen after that, you know, everyone else is a volunteer group. So it meets, you know, six thirty seven PM. So I think, um, one great way to build some relationships with government is to find a way to invite your your city partners or your your most important uh your most important your most important partners at the city find a way to invite them to uh to your volunteer group um just get them there or meet them on their uh on their turf have a meet, have a lunch meeting with them find some way to um come to some common ground about what your goals are because there will be common ground. That's the thing is like, if you're volunteering, if you're showing up at a brigade, then you have the best interest of the city of the constituent of, you know, the elected representatives, constituents, you know, of, of the people that are being served by that public servant in mind. So by having, by keeping all of that, by getting alignment on that early, that can definitely be the beginning of a great relationship between uh, between government and your volunteer group or your nonprofit or whatever the situation might be. Hmm. That, that's a really good point there toward the end about that relationship with the uh, local officials like that. And actually, uh, th- that's an, a good segue. Uh, Christy, I, I know you've gotten some experience both for Shy Hack Night and perhaps a bit recently with uh, Open Uptown, uh, trying to do that with a couple of projects. Uh, could you share uh, perhaps like what your experience has been like uh, trying to work that process? Trying to work which process? Could you remind me of the question? Oh, sure, sure. Uh, we're talking about uh, building relationships with uh, uh, folks in government uh, at, at whichever level. Mm-hmm. Well, I haven't actually worked with any government partners. It's been um, community organizations. I guess technically probably the library qualifies now as a... The library a is part of the city. Yeah. There, so now, now I am getting involved with a government partner. All right. Well... I think kind of been treating it as an, you know, I want to make sure that I'm doing the basic stuff that I would do if I had a client at work, you know, being responsive and sending good notes um, and being really clear about, you know, when we get together and, and somebody is working late to talk to us, that we know that we're ready for that meeting, we're prepared and we know we're really clear about what we're hoping to accomplish in that time. Um, but then also, We've gotten together in person a few times with some community partners that we had and some some organizations that we've just invited to participate or provide feedback. And the co-organizer of the Access to Justice group um, 
has really pushed us to have those be warm social gatherings in addition to our, our fact-finding mission for the day to have us all break bread together and take our take care with our introductions and really pay attention to um, just the, the, the be conscious of the, the power dynamics. You know, if we have a diverse group of people in, you know, some of us are coming from the north side of the city and we're we're there in this dynamic of we're building something and we're, we want to get feedback on this and this is how you get feedback. We're trying to equalize things a bit more and have it be more participatory. So we try to combine, you know, have it be, have there be some social aspects and, and while also trying to respect people's time and be organized. Yeah, I don't know how that will translate to working with the library, um, but we'll see. It sounds like a solid set of uh, lessons learned that I, I think will definitely apply in that situation as well. If I could jump in with one more anecdote. Sure. Um, the One of the early relationships in Open Oakland history, which I can't take any credit for, um, but I was talking with one of our founders about today, um, was with a di city department called the Public Ethics Commission. And uh, this was a fantastic relationship uh, that that as soon as um, that very early in open Oakland history, this was, you know, six years ago, seven, maybe seven, uh, that the city, uh, so the public ethics commission is responsible for transparency and um, good government related um, enforcement of policies um, like anti-corruption, campaign finance regulation. And so it's in their best interest um, as a department to be partnering with community um, that can, help with you know identifying um in, uh, identifying violations and def and pushing for uh pushing for political change and so very early in this partnership open oakland and code for america threw its weight behind uh a, getting a open data policy um, pushed in in oakland and you know this was many many cities have this now um, but at the time it was relatively novel and um, it actually succeeded getting, and this open data policy would, would, uh, would, you know, made it clear in the city's charter itself that, you know, Oakland is committed to transparency and that data should be published in machine readable formats, available online, that kind of thing. Um, and so that was kind of the starting point of this relationship. And ever since, you know, even today, we still have a great relationship with them. And they're, and they keep coming back to us asking if there's more uh, that we can do to help them with their work. And so not only are we able to help Public Ethics Commission uh, with, um, you know, with anything that they need, but also the Public Ethics Commission then can introduce us to other government partners that we might want to work with for other reasons, like the library or like the city clerk or that kind of thing. So um, that's definitely having a, a single jumping off point within government, like somewhere where you have a good relationship can definitely be a great start. Yeah, for, from what I'm hearing from you guys, it definitely sounds like a lot of it is just getting that, that first door to open. And then from there, a lot of possibilities unfold from that uh, once successful. Uh, I'd like to, I guess, continue on uh, our talk about where things stand. This will be more of kind of an open question for the, for the group here, uh, if any of you wants to start us off. I'd be curious if uh, any of you would like to give your opinion on I guess the general state of things, good, bad, and different, as far as where the movement's at. I know uh, civic tech is a pretty young thing, but uh, you know it's kind of moved along through some different phases. Just curious what opinions are out there in the group. Yeah, so uh, it is very young, right? Um, I, I think that it's like things are going great, right? There's always room to make things better. Um, but the fact that we have uh, a very inclusive movement that includes people of uh, all different points of view and persuasions and uh, ethnic backgrounds and socioeconomic status is um, is very special, right? It's, it's not often that you find all of these different kinds of people from all different places of the United States coming together, um, you know, around something that they're passionate about. So that's that's really, really cool to me. I think that's unique and um, I hope the trend of inclusivity continues. I, I do feel as a, as a public servant uh, that it's 
it's difficult to involve my colleagues, right? A lot of people, I'm lucky, I work at the US Digital Service and everyone is a wonderful civic technologist. Uh, but when I was working in other parts of the government, uh, I found it like, you know, I would talk to people like, hey, you wanna, you wanna go to this hack night? You wanna go to a meetup group where we can uh, meet people who might be able to solve problems with technology? And people, you know, they'd be like, no, I don't, I absolutely don't wanna do that. That doesn't sound like fun at all. So like, I'm, I'm really lucky that my hobby and my profession are, uh, are in line, right? But that is something that I, um, I continue to struggle with every day is how can we bring more gubbies, how can we bring more career public servants, people with decades more of experience than I have uh, into this movement? And I think about that a lot. Oh, that's I curious. As a follow-up to that, Cyrus, did you run into like any common barriers that that folks would put up as far as for like why they might not be interested, or was it just a general disinterest? Yeah. So um, it's it's a time thing, right? Tom alluded to this earlier, but many um, many traditional and like career civil servants work that nine to five life, right? And you know they they like what they do, they care about their work, uh, but it's a luxury to be able to uh, to volunteer, right? To be able to go to meetups and, um, you know, take up technology projects on the side is a, is a luxury. And, I, you know, as a young person with no family obligations per se, you know, I, I'm really lucky to be able to take advantage of that privilege, right? And so I think we're gonna have more luck. Like the US Digital Service, for example, connects directly with uh, other parts of the government during business hours. And so that has, uh, been, you know, tremendously successful for us to be able to deliver these kinds of um, solutions uh, during that nine to five uh, block that's so critical for government folks. Ah, oh, thank you for that. Yeah, I could definitely understand why someone might hesitate uh, due to schedules, schedule, especially if, you know, family obligations and the like. I, I think you hit on a very important point on that engagement during, you know, the normal duties. I think that is very important. Um, if I could add something about the state of civic tech. Um, I think there are definitely some challenges that, that face the movement, um, you know, figuring out models of collaboration that work across, across different time, time periods, uh, you know, if work hours, non-work hours, I think is one challenge. Um, you know, the best way for people to, to have volunteer effort be used by, uh, you know, by the ultimate of sustainable organizations being the government. Like how do you sort of mesh the lack of, the, the, the sort of lack of contractual obligation of being a volunteer with the greatest contractual obligation being the US constitution? You know, how do you, like, how do you match those up? So I think there are some challenges, but I think I'm really optimistic about um, this, the overall state and direction of civic tech, um, just sort of moving sort of more zooming out further and further every year um, is, is the, kind of the way that I see it. And so what I mean by that is when I got involved in civic tech originally, everyone was talking about open data. Uh, that was the, the new hotness was, is your data released on a public website where anyone can download it? And I think like that's a foundational element of many of the projects that we do is like this sort of, uh, this attention to transparency and the desire to work with the community um, that's sort of embodied by releasing open data sets. Um, but then at some point, the community kind of zoomed out. You know, the, the, we decided as a group that, you know, open data is great, but really it doesn't affect anyone's life dramatically if it's a little bit easier to visualize a data set. Um, that really, um, to steal the phrase from Mike Bracken of the government digital service in the UK, he says, the strategy is delivery. So delivery sort of, we zoomed out to being, okay, well, how can we deliver services in a more effective way by all coming together um, using all of the principles we've been talking about today? Uh, and I think, I think we continue to zoom out further and further to tie back um, to tie back all the work that we do and all the practices that we do to the the big giant goal, which is outcomes. How do we uh, improve the outcomes of the entire system as a whole? So I'm I'm really excited that you know that that everyone's aligned around that in this movement, and 
Uh, I think there's so many different ways and different levels almost like it's almost like different tiers that you sort of tackle the same problem on, but definitely uh, optimistic for the future, seeing all of that. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I myself wasn't too familiar with I kind of what you're talking about that scaling up uh, prospect over the more recent time. Um, that, that's an interesting change to go from that open data focus to something that's more about the actual services themselves. I uh, really appreciate you sharing that with us. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that I can speak to like trends or, um, I told you all that I'm, I'm learning about civic tech or uh, through kind of participating in it. And now I'm trying to take a step back and see, you know, get more familiar with brigades in the network and, and their projects and other groups in Chicago um, that kind of come under the umbrella of civic tech. Something that has been kind of emerging is there's this kind of soup of volunteers and uh, freelancers, contractors, and then companies. There's starting to be companies that are making money off of being involved in, in civic tech. And going back to the idea of build with, not for, I, I, I'm still learning about that too, right? But the, the, in, instinctively, intuitively, what that should mean, I think, is that part or part of what that should mean is that it is not just people who are already um, privileged technologists who can um, participate in the industry of civic tech and that we pay attention to how people come along that pipeline of volunteer or whatever their current expertise is to being a, a company that gets work in civic tech and to make sure that that is inclusive and equitable. Yeah, that's a, another very interesting thing to think about is, is, as you mentioned, those organizations that crop up specifically to service in that space. I don't think uh, one ends up hearing about them a lot unless you're inside the community itself. I know I also wanted to ask you guys uh, a question I know is gonna make me want to pull out a pen and start jotting down notes. But for folks that are kind of say starting out, whether it's starting a brigade, starting an on, like their own volunteer nonprofit or something related to this space, what piece of advice would you give them as they're getting started to make sure they're getting going on the right footing? I'd, I'd say, you know, uh, be willing to learn, right? Uh, a desire to place people in communities first, right? Civic tech is about groups of people coming together in order to build solutions that improve upon our public spaces. It's not about uh, being smarter than other people. It's not about, um, you know, getting more likes on Instagram or whatnot. You know, it's, it's, um, uh, I guess humility is, is great and always valuable. Um, and this like, you know, a, a thirst, a curiosity, like why, why is it like that? And how can we do it better? And what are people already doing? Like, you know, how do we honor the work that comes before us? Right. So those are three things that stick out in my mind. I haven't been, at, at, this is my first time being at the start of a brigade of town codes, which that's exciting. I have been involved in other volunteer organizations and I'm seeing the same thing in the groups, the civic tech groups I've been involved in is that volunteers, they have different degrees of wanting to be involved. Um, some people want to help shape the group and um, organize things and talk about governance for the group and figure out how we're going to pay for things and be involved in fundraising. Other times people want a, dis a discreet task or two that they can commit to for a short time period and finding ways to make it easy for those folks to be involved. Just helping people find their, their place in the group is something that's, that's really good to have. That's huge. Um, one thing that I was going to say um, is really related to that. And it's just really simple. Um, just show up. Um, as far as, you know, as far as all the stuff you can do, just go to a meeting, go to like, go hang out with these people, um, the people that are working on this and, um, don't be afraid if you're not a coder, don't be afraid, you know, if it says a hack night and you're like, but I don't, but I'm not a hacker. Um, just if you feel like this is something that, uh, that you're, that calls out to you as a sense of responsibility or, as something interesting or a way to learn, like Cyrus said, then find a way to get involved and you will, you know, as long as you come into it with an open mind 
and hopefully you'll find someone that is able to show you your place uh, or like that gives you a way to contribute to the movement as Christy was saying. And then also I think show up speaks to the fact that not only do you need to be physically present in the meeting, but also you need to be there for the community as well. And, you know, get involved, be like, be curious about what's happening in the city around you. Talk to people, you know, don't just go through the motions, but also try to, uh, always be putting the user needs first and that entails figuring out what they are and doing research and all of that stuff. Yeah, definitely don't be intimidated by that word hack, right? Like we're, we're all hackers, right? Uh, I used a coin to tighten a screw. That's a hack. You're supposed to use a screwdriver. I did not, right? So like, <laughs> they're, they're, it's a loose word, I think. And it doesn't necessarily mean you have to have some sort of highly technical ability. It's a, it's an ability or willingness uh, a desire to think outside of the box. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. Actually, that, that word hack has come up uh, a few times in, in these answers. Uh, I would be curious, uh, is hack a word that we should continue to use, or is that an anti-pattern uh, for us to be using in this space? Christy, how did you feel about going to Shy Hack Night your first time? I think that in that, that case, it's describes pretty well what goes on there. I mean, it's recurring hackathon on the, on the, after a presentation, you know, I, I do think it's accurate. It's jargon. It has a meaning. Um, I know that there have been some brigades who have used a different term, like they'll have a community action night, I think is the term that I've heard a couple of times. And that's, that's really, I think that's great. I don't know. I think that I don't feel strongly one way or the other. I think it's kind of, I, I like the precision of it, it's that it is, it's a hackathon, it's a little hackathon in, in a lot of cases. So we did something in the Access to Justice group. Um, we, we used the word impactathon. We had to get together and it was kind of like a scoping hackathon, or at least that was the intent. And ended up being a little more freewheeling than that. But that was, that was the term that our group lit up on to try to kind of merge together hackathon and in community impact. I think it's, mm -hmm. it's great to, to pull out some creative language and to also put together an event that is not a hackathon. Like if you put together a hackathon, you might as well call a hackathon. If you're gonna do something that is a different type of event, that would also be great. Yeah, I think, uh, I think the way, the language that you use impacts the way that you think about, about the event that you're having. I think that's a really great point. And, you know, I think that partially explains this, the, the slight trend that I've noticed of groups switching away from terminology that involves hack or code. Um, you know, some brigades have renamed recently. Uh, there's been like some brigades are using community design night, you know, to, to imply that the design is really the focus, um, which I think is awesome because Ultimately, you know, we are hacking things in terms of like processes and um, and we are writing a lot of code sometimes to do like an MVP, you know, very quickly. But ultimately, we should aspire to more than just hacking all the time every night, right? I think ultimately we should aspire to creating a sustainable uh, development pace and, uh, and, and a solid way of building products over a long period of time. Excellent. I think you guys made a lot of good points there. Uh, I also got to learn about the word uh, impactathon, which uh, gonna, that one's <laughs> going to stick in my head. I like that one. Now that we've talked a bit about what the, what the movement is, why it exists, who, who you folks all are, I'd like to have us end our, our panel discussion uh, talking about how somebody gets involved. Uh, there might be folks that listen to this then decide tomorrow, like, I, I'm ready. I'm ready to put my time into some civic works. So the first question they might ask is, well, do you need to be an engineer to do this? Let's kick that yeah. one to the actual engineer. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you absolutely do need to be an engineer. No, uh, no. Uh, everyone, it, everyone's voices are needed in this movement. Um, and it's never been more true than now. Uh, and uh, and, and we, we definitely need everybody from all walks of life, from all different backgrounds, you know, any sort of, every demographic to be represented. Because as Cyrus said before, like what we're trying to do uh, impacts the lives of everyone. And so if we're excluding people 
in any way, then that means that we're not doing as good as good a job as we should be doing. So uh, that's definitely a quick answer to the, the engineer thing. Um, let me just briefly um, plug the Brigade website as a great resource for people looking to get involved. So the Brigade website is brigade.codeforamerica.org. And uh, we've been putting a lot of attention into it recently to make sure that it's up to date and that as many brigades as possible um, are on the map that we can uh, that we can point you towards. So if you're not sure if a brigade exists in your city, it's a great place to go. Um, it'll link you to the meetup. It'll show you the, some of the projects that that brigade is working on. It's a great way to just like learn more about the program. Excellent. And uh, we will make sure that uh, the links that have been mentioned uh, by voice here are added to the description for the episode for all those that are curious to uh, click and learn more. Uh, to the same end of kind of, I guess, the same area of that engineer question, uh, I would be curious to ask the group, uh, what sort of skills are, are usually in demand? What, what sort of folks do we need as volunteers in order for a brigade or other organization to be successful? It's really good to have people who can facilitate meetings, you know, people who can make sure that everybody who's there gets a, a chance to contribute, um, that can organize the, the, the meeting and, and yeah, just either lead it or, or help people participate depending on, on the time. So good facilitators are useful to have. I think um, if you're the kind of person who enjoys thinking of innovative, creative ways to, you know, uh, improve life, we could say hack life, but we're going to say improve life, uh, you'll find a place in civic tech. So it doesn't matter what your um, what your profession is, right? If you're a, a communicator or a writer or a designer or an artist or a poet, a wordsmith, right? There's room for everybody uh, at this table because it's, it's our table. You know, there have been a couple of people who came to Shy Hack Night who, um, so we had, I, I spoke with um, a, do a doctor, for example. I'll use that example. There was a woman who came a few times and she was a doctor. And when I spoke with her, she was still trying to figure out how she might participate. I'm really curious what comes to mind for you all to get a doctor involved in your in your civic tech group. Or a, Health a tech. That comes to mind like right away to me, like, uh, how can we help people um, access maybe uh, different kinds of healthcare services, right? Like I don't, I don't know um, what are like common conditions that people struggle with, right? I don't know um, like like the like legal ramifications around being a, a primary care physician, right? There's a lot of things to to think about um, where both a lawyer and a doctor could be involved, right? In that kind of space. One of the one of the newer brigades, Code for Phoenix, um, their government partner is in the Department of Public Health. And I think they, they tackle, well, I, I'm not exactly sure which projects they're working on at the moment, but uh, we had the, um, Cyrus, Ryan and I, and possibly Christy too, had, um, had the fortune of meeting them at Summit, Taylor, and I forget her government partner's name. But, the, but I think public health is also a really interesting opportunity um, that you know, there's a lot of environmental impacts that are affecting all of our cities from manufacturing or uh, from like water, water access, water quality, um, you know, these sort of environmental justice issues. Yes, but I wanna ask a, a follow-up question. Ryan, I have a follow-up question for the other. Oh, by all here. means. <laughs> so uh, my, my assumption and my impression from this person is that she didn't wanna start her own group. Like we didn't have a, a public health group going on or health-related group. What's a good way for people to kind of get their feet wet in, in, in the group or, you know, maybe apply some special skill set to a project that's not directly related to their field? I, I kind of got stumped, and, so, and I haven't thought about that since, since I was talking to her. I mean, I guess a con helping to create content or provide feedback on projects is is one way that people can jump in. I think I think this will be interesting to see if any listeners uh, can weigh in and sort of communicate back to us if they think of anything. But um, I mean, definitely, this is a question that comes up. Um, you know, there are a lot of people who are domain experts of like one specific thing, right? And that I think is no, that's 
incredibly true of doctors, um, but also like they're generally just a stereotype a little bit, generally inquisitive people. Um, and I think definitely like finding some way to like utilize that domain expertise, whether it be like coming up with a list of like five of the biggest problems, like health problems facing the city that then maybe can dig into or um, if you had access, if you could get access to public health data for anything, like what would you, what would you want to FOIA? And then like matching them up with someone who would actually um, do the FOIA, the Freedom of Information Act request. Um, I don't know. I, there's some ideas like that. I think, well, personally, like we don't like speaking of my experience with Open Oakland, we don't end up with um, people, highly trained professionals like that very often. So um, like we don't have a very good workflow for it. But I'd be really interested to hear if people have been able to successfully integrate, uh, you know, doctors, lawyers, um, like, you know, people like that into projects. Yeah, one one thought that I have with with government folks, right, is they're always like, what am, what am I going to do at a half day? Right? I don't have any technical skills, but oh, but you do. Um, some common government titles, like contracting officer. Hey, I bet you know a lot about um, crafting like legally binding agreements. I bet you know a lot about the government procurement process. I know you, bet you could help us get some contracts that might actually pay us money, right? I know uh, some brigades in the network are actually able to bid on government contracts. Um, public information officer, you, you mentioned FOIA requests. I bet a PIO could uh, really help a group out that's struggling to get access to some information. Um, just, you know, a hand, a, it's two ideas off the top of my head of, um, you know, bureaucratic goals. Uh, administrative assistant, you'd be a killer at running meetings, right? Uh, a, a lot of valuable uh, skills, I think, can come to the table that have maybe nothing to do with uh, touching a keyboard. Uh, and now that we've gotten through uh, skills and knowing now that we don't have to be an engineer to get involved, and I think, Tom, you made a comment about this once already, but uh, why don't we delve into uh, where one should start if they decide today, I want to join the civic tech movement. Uh, where would be the best place to, uh, to go? I'll repeat what I said about the Brigade website being a great, webs a great way to get involved in these volunteer groups. Um, I do want to plug one other site, and then I'm curious if Cyrus or Chrissy have any other um, have any other resources that they found helpful as they got involved. Um, but one, the one other uh, tool that Code for America releases um, or, or maintains for this purpose is the Public Interest Technology Job Board. And so that's at jobs.codeforamerica.org. And what that is is an aggregation of, of public interest technology jobs. And so public interest technology is kind of a a superset of civic tech, depending on who you ask. It includes some private companies. It includes some contracting firms. Um, but nonetheless, like it's all like in the same general vein of you know making products for people to improve their lives. Um, I'm sorry, making products with people. But uh, the jobs board, check it out, jobs.codeforamerica.org. It has hundreds of jobs all over the country. Um, if you think you might be looking for a change, um, it's a great place to start um, to see if you might want to get involved. There's like government jobs, private sector jobs, all kinds of stuff, nonprofits. Yeah, so I, I definitely think uh, I, I want to give Tom a, a, a plus one there. I think you should head over to your nearest Code for America Brigade and introduce yourself. Um, participating in the Brigade uh, program, uh, helped me to realize that my love of technology and my passion for public service weren't mutually exclusive. You didn't have, you don't have to pick one or the other. Um, if you like the idea of building a more awesome government through technology, um, there are all kinds of warm, welcoming and wicked smart people eager to show you the ropes at your uh, local brigade. And if you, um, if you're already a professional or working professional, uh, the U.S. Digital Service is hiring and you should apply. So you can check that out. I'll plug my thing at usds.gov. Uh, I, I think that I'm a, another plus one on those resources, you know, kind of nationwide. And Chicago is also blessed to have um, a really active meetup scene and an active social justice scene, a lot of organizers. And there are some groups that kind of bridge the two. Um, the Teenex Techies comes to mind. And some of those groups pass through the, the larger groups like Shy Hack Night, and some of them don't. But um, 
I don't know if you're really just getting started, Chicago also, we just found out, has cyber navigators, cyber navigators at the library. And if you want to go and, and pick up tech skills, and you can start there. You can start right at your, your local library. Oh, very cool. Um, actually, through the, the work we've done together on that, I, I also just recently learned that, the, that they existed. It seems like a really cool program that the library is doing. Today we've covered a great deal. We've talked about the why of the civic tech movement, where it's at, and uh, how one gets involved with it. And we've got to learn about uh, you three, some of the wicked smart individuals that are here in the movement. Uh, and as we kind of draw this conversation to a close, I'd like to have each of you maybe give uh, a couple of concluding thoughts on the conversation we've had today. And to that end, uh, uh, Christy, would you like to start us off with uh, maybe what words you'd like to leave us with? Well, I think that one thing that I want to learn more about is just, I, I want to learn more about community organizing. And, and I want to, This it is really grounded in, in getting to know Chicago for me. And, and now I, I want to take that further down and just be participating more just even in, in my neighborhood and the meetings that go on here. I don't know. I, I do want to get away from this, this skill building and kind of self-focus that got me into civic tech and more into the community organizing side of it. So I am, that's really about me, I guess, and not, not about so, so much about civic tech at large, but um, I don't know. I'm just, looking for ways to have it be less about me, I guess, and more about the community. And I, I guess I would encourage others to do the same. That, uh, that makes a lot of sense. I, I think your comments about uh, putting that community thing first really reflects well on uh, a lot of what we talked about today as far as where the movement is headed. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Tom, um, would you like to uh, share some of your concluding thoughts as well? Yeah, Christy's thought about community uh, made me start thinking about um, just – uh, just sort of a good note to end on for, like, as far as I'm concerned, that that there that we are all part of a community um, for this. And there, in my experience, uh, you know, over going back almost five years now, um, there's like in the civic tech movement, I've never seen more energy or more passion or more people involved as today. And so I'm, I'm super excited by where we are right now. I think more people are clamoring to work together across not only different organizations, but also different cities, different states um, that I think, you know, the digital, the state of digital communication has improved dramatically. Um, the state of like our, our shared policies and our shared understanding of problems and like communication around design thinking and how to best build these products is at a place where I'm just super excited to see what all of us can do together for in a single national movement. For sure. I want to go down and, and up too, right? And, and have the, the brigades mm -hmm. talk more with each other and learn more from each other. I think that's also a, a great way to, to be branching out. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm really liking the optimism from, from both of your responses there. And uh, uh, Cyrus, would you like to take us home with, with your concluding thoughts? Yeah, sure. So uh, Tom and Christy have said uh, said it all when it comes to uh, the, you know, the substantive uh, civic tech stuff. I just want to, um, you know, just put it out there, like, take care of yourself, be good to yourself, uh, be good to others, take care of others, right? But never forget, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're in this together. And uh uh, I, I have in the past burned out on uh, projects I was working on because I, I put way too much into it, right? Uh, so it's important. I love I love volunteering. I love the community that we've created. Um, but uh, we can't hope to be successful and meaningful contributors if we don't first uh, take care of ourselves. So be happy, uh, be well, and um, in that way, we, I think we can all be the most effective in uh, working together. Absolutely. The mantra of take care of yourself is perhaps a reminder that uh, we all need quite a bit too often. Now, I want to uh, first uh, thank uh, all three of you, uh, Tom, Christy, and Cyrus, for taking time out of your day to uh, join us for this conversation. I have no doubt that there will be those out there that take a tremendous amount of value of what, about what's been fed, uh, 
And if anything, uh, I've really enjoyed uh, hearing each of your very unique perspectives on where Civic Tech meet, uh, sits right now, as well as how it's interacted with your lives. So again, uh, thank you to each of you for uh, coming on the program. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us.